0: It's a delight to be back with you, my friends. Um, I, I'm not Derek, if you are visiting this morning. Um, good news, because uh, you need to come back next week and uh, hear a great sermon. But I was scheduled to preach today. Derek was up in St. Louis this past week uh, doing another d class and uh, asked me to fill in for him so that he could come back and uh, not have to uh, get a sermon ready. So I was planned to come, although while it, uh, in St. Louis, he uh, came across an individual that uh, later uh, tested positive for the Omicron variant of COVID-19. And so he just wanted to distance himself just to be sure. So we'll pray for uh, his family as well here this morning. Let me invite you to turn with me to Psalm 116. That's going to be our text this morning. And as you're turning there, let me just say, by way of introduction to this one off sermon, that uh, instead of a study that you're accustomed to, we're two weeks into a new year, just a little over two weeks, halfway through the first month into a new year. And every time, I don't know about you, but every time I turn on the news, I I just about uh, 15, 10, 15 minutes into it have to turn it back off because it's the same thing from the night before and the night before and the night before, just different statistics. About how this uh, the, the COVID-19 uh, c- progresses, the pandemic p- progresses. Then there will be uh, there will be a little clip on uh, an individual who did this or that, and another individual, and then back to it. Just seems like this eternal spiral downwards from bad news to bad news to bad news. And I picked this particular psalm for that reason. While we begin a new year, there's always great hope that things are going to change and it's going to be exciting time for some New Year's resolutions and time to put away the old and put on the new. And that's um, what Psalm 116 is about, actually, from our moving from a place of orientation and a relationship with our Savior to a place of disorientation because of our sinfulness, but then reorientation back to that relationship with the Savior. That's what the psalmist will teach us today. There is great hope, even if you're here today and you're tired like I am of hearing the same bad news or... You just keep experiencing that bad news over and over again. The psalmist will show us that God has been faithful in that relationship that we have enjoyed. He continues to be faithful in the present when we are experiencing the deorientation or disorientation in our sinfulness. And then the reorientation, He will be faithful in the future, past, present and future. God promises to be faithful to His covenant, and that's what I want to show you today. So out of love and respect for God's holy, infallible, and inerrant Word, would you join me in standing, and let's give our full attention to the reading and then the preaching of it. Psalm 116, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the Word of God. I love the Lord because He heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because He inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call on Him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for His benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. O Lord, I am Your servant. I am Your servant, the son of Your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer You the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in Your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise that you alone are our God, covenant making, covenant keeping, and promise because of your faithfulness, past, present, and future that we have gathered here today to hear your word proclaimed, that you would seal to our minds as we call on you to renew your covenant with us, you will do that very thing through word and sacrament. So be Be uh, that real delight for us today, Father, as you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this portion of your holy law, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please, friends, be seated. My wife, Jennifer, and I, over the course of almost 40 years of marriage now, have bought and redone and sold several homes And we've gone from small projects like simply repainting and reflooring things to major guts where we have moved walls, we have demoed kitchens all the way down to the studs uh, and put in new appliances, new plumbing appliances, fixtures and all of those different things. We moved here in my early retirement or semi-retirement from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan where we did that very thing. We walked into a house and all of these things that we have done uh, over our, the course of our marriage, it always seems to be the, the continued, the repeated cycle. And that is that we walk into a property that they either are still living in and they've cleaned it all up. They've got it ready for someone to come in and look at it. Or they've staged it. Maybe they've moved out and so they've put a plant here and a plant over in the corner and a couple of wine glasses on the counter or whatever it is to stage it to make it look look very appealing for someone like us who would come in and say, oh, yeah, this is the place. Well, we would buy such a property and then we wouldn't move our stuff in, but we would demolish the inside like we did in Grand Rapids all the way down to the, to the, 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 the studs in the walls and moving walls, moving electrical uh, wires, moving plumbing, uh, uh, sewer hose uh, lines and so forth, everything to open up space and, and then we would move our stuff in and it would be actually even better than it was when it was staged before. We did that over and over again. And what I realized and what I want you to see in that illustration this morning is this cycle that repeats itself from the orientation to a disorientation then back to the reorientation. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. We would walk into a house... But we didn't do that. We went from that orientation to tearing everything up to a disorientation where it was an utter mess, but then we would put it all back together with better and new stuff to that reorientation back to uh, uh, an enhanced, a new place that was even better than before. Now with that in mind, that is exactly what Psalm 116 is all about. This cycle of our relationship with our Savior to moving from our orientation, what God has called us to be, who we are, as we just sang, into this position of where we love the darkness more than the light. We love our sin more than our Savior. And so we've moved from orientation to disorientation to darkness. But because of His faithfulness, past, present, and future, He doesn't allow us to stay there, but as we cry out to Him, call out to Him, then we are reoriented back into this relationship even greater than before as we learn from our rebellion. That's what 116 is all about. Spurgeon actually called this particular psalm, he said of of it, "...it's a personal love fostered by a personal experience of redemption." And that's ironic if you think about it. You most likely know this, but if you don't, let me teach you something. And that is Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, or what are referred to as the halal Psalms, from which we get our word hallelujah. They were the Psalms that the Israelites God's chosen people would gather together for corporate worship and declare the praise of Yahweh, their covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. But 116 is filled with personal pronouns instead of corporate pronouns like us and we and our. Look at it. I, my, me, The beginning of just about every sentence towards the end. Verse 9, I will walk, I believed, I said, I will lift, I will pay, I will offer. It's a psalm that's focused on an individual instead of corporate. And I believe that's for a purpose because between 113 and 118, the halal psalms, almost kind of in the middle. What we have here is the psalmist focusing on himself almost like he has his head down he's got his head down and he is chanting to himself God has been faithful God promises to be faithful and he will continue to be faithful and so as he is preparing to enter in the presence of Yahweh with the the corporate body with all of the other saints to unite their voices in praise it's as if this one individual now is chanting to Himself the faithfulness of God to enter into the presence of the congregation to do what it is that He has been called to do. Now I wonder if that defines you as you've prepared your way to this place today. Or in your life, do you see this same cycle that's repeating itself from orientation to disorientation to reorientation? Sometimes in my life, I mean this is moment by moment, I'm living in relationship and a thought or a, a word that I proclaim that leads me to disorientation, to repent of that, to return, reorientation back. This can be moment by moment. It can be cyclical for a a year, a month for the corporate body we gather together every week because we are oriented as God has renewed his covenant. But then as we leave this place into the mission field and we sin and continue to sin, we move to disorientation, but we come back again the following Lord's Day with the purpose of him renewing his covenant with us because he has proven himself past, present, and future to be a faithful God to his people. In our individual lives, we see that cycle. And in our corporate life, we also see that cycle. Augustine put it like this He said, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We find rest in Him, we move to that restlessness, to our disorientation, but He In his love and affection and grace and mercy for us will not allow us to stay there, but we are reoriented back, learning from our sin in a greater relationship and a greater affection and love for our Savior. That's what the psalmist does. So let me show you that very briefly now. Verses 1 and 2. You see the psalmist, an individual, is now in the state of orientation. Look at how he begins. I love the Lord. He's talking about his affection for the Lord. He's talking about a relationship with the Lord. I love the Lord, but why? Because Yahweh has proven himself to be merciful. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my plea for mercy. Sometimes we use the word mercy, friends, And we use it synonymously with other words. But let me define for you mercy now. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. What do we deserve? We break the law with one jot or tittle, one thought, word, or deed in opposition to God's law. We should be punished for that sin. But God does not leave us in that punishment. What we deserve is to be punished for our sin because we are sinners. This is a legal term, mercy, that God declares that we are righteous. He declares that we are in relationship with him because he has cast our sin as far as the east is from the west by laying it on our Savior. We deserve death. But instead, he laid that death, that punishment on Christ. And so the psalmist is saying, I love the Lord. I am in relationship with the Lord because he has taken the first step toward me because of his mercy. I deserve death, but I don't get death. But then look at verse 2. He doesn't stop there. Because he inclined his ear to me, I will call on the name of the Lord. He repeats this in verse 8. Gracious is the Lord, And merciful is the Lord. So he inclined his ear toward me, not simply because he's merciful, but because he is also gracious. Now grace means that you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is I don't get what I should get. But grace is that I get what I shouldn't get. And what do we get? We get the affection of our Heavenly Father. His unmerited favor, that he looks upon us as his children. He laid our sin by his mercy on his son because he has turned his ear, his face toward us, inclined to pour out in abundance his grace and his mercy. There's our place of orientation. And there's why, that's why the psalmist says, I love the Lord. I love him because he is a God filled with mercy. And grace. But look how verse 3 begins. I can't bend over every time I do. Okay, I'm going to stand like this. Uh, Verse 3, the snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold of me, and I suffered distress and anguish. So here we've moved from this place of orientation, relationship, Now we're beginning this disorientation all the way down to verse 6. Look at verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple, when I was brought low, he saved me. In Hebrew, that when I was brought low, when I was hanging down, when I was hanging down to the depths, the bottom of the bottom. So he has moved, the psalmist has moved from this orientation now to this disorientation. He is hanging down as low as he can go. Why? First, because of the pangs of the evil one, capital E, because of the pangs of Sheol, as he says in verse 3, death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. This is the evil one, this is Satan, this is the devil himself and his minions who love to steal, to kill and to destroy Derek Kidner, an Old Testament commentator, put it like this. The Old Testament poetry of death and Sheol are aggressive, clutching at the living to waste them. So the evil one then delights in grabbing hold of you as a child of the living king and moving you from this place of orientation to disorientation and wrapping his arms of destruction around you. It's because we are products of the fall. Back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, our first parents, who by the way, friends, listen, let's be honest, who did exactly what we would have done, we would not have done anything differently, chose to eat of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, that they were told not to eat of. You can have all of this, everything, but you can't have that. And what do we want? We want that, right? We want the very thing that we're told that we can't have. And so we love the darkness more than the light and we grab hold of it. And from that now, original sin. We are all born in sin because of our first parents who did what we would do. We are born in original sin. No one teaches us to sin, but our actual sin now comes from being born in original sin. We love the darkness more than the light. We love our sin many times more than our Savior. And therefore we move from this relationship, this orientation, to this disorientation in a fallen world. Turn on the TV and tell me that we don't live in a fallen world. That's all we hear. Perhaps you went to the doctor recently and you got a diagnosis you didn't want to get. It's because you live in the product of a fallen world death of a loved one because we live in a fallen world i took care of my father after a stroke for the last 7 years of his life and for those of us who don't have much runway left he didn't he had less runway than i did He watched his friends die off one after the other after the other until his funeral when only a handful came because they had all died. That's the world in which we live. Poor diagnoses, illnesses, death, destruction because that's what the evil one loves to do. And so the psalmist is saying because of the pangs of the evil one I am hanging as low as I can go. But not just the pangs of the evil one but also because of the affliction of evil ones. Look at verse 11. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. See, it's not just the evil one that seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. But friends, you and I are sinners, not just experiencing the product of the fall, but we are part of that. The way we treat one another, the way we gossip against one another, The words of accusation, our fighting, our seeking to get a one-up over other individuals. The psalmist said, it's not just the forces of evil against me, but it's also those that I am in relationship with, even inside the church. That we oftentimes, many times, are at odds with one another because we move from the state of orientation to disorientation because we love the darkness More than the light. And so the affliction from each other, from others. All mankind are liars. So what did the psalmist do? Verse 4, I called out, I called on the name of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, Return, O soul, to your rest, verse 7. The Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Here's the promise, see, not only the past, but even in the present. Even the present when we're in the state of disorientation. Not only is the Lord present and faithful to His promises in our orientation, but even when we are hanging as low as we can possibly go, God still promises that He has love and affection for us, His children. And will be faithfully to us. He treats us bountifully. Look what he does. Verse eight. He's delivered my soul. He delivered my eyes. He delivered my feet, my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, such now that I walk before the Lord, from head to toe, My soul, my eyes, my feet. The Lord said, "I will take care of all of you, even in the state. Of this disorientation, even in the midst of a pandemic, from a Delta variant to an Omicron variant, the Lord still promises to be bountiful from head to toe to his people. And so he says, return, verse 7. Return. He's preaching to himself. He's chanting to himself. I will call on the name of the Lord. He says it over and over. He said it in verse 2. He says it now again in verse 4. I called on the name of the Lord and I said return. Return, O soul, to your rest. This word return in Hebrew is the same word that's used to Hagar to go back, to return to Sarah. Go back to the place that God has ordained you to be. And friends, that's what your covenant-making and covenant-keeping God today says. Call out to Him. Even if you're here in the state of disorientation, He is saying, return, return. Go back to the place that I have ordained you to be. Call out. By the way, the word call there, uh, call, I called on the name of the Lord in verse 4, uh, gives us a sense of urgency emergency, an expectation. Alexander McLaren said this, his past, talking about the psalmist, his past is the guarantee and the revelation of his future, God's future. And every person who grasps uh, him by faith has the right to pray in the present with assurance. Because of his faithfulness in the past, he is still present even as we hang low, that he will bring us back. And that's How the psalm ends. Moves us from orientation to show our disorientation and now the reorientation as our faithful God brings us back. Look at verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. And again, third time now, I will call on the name of the Lord. I will render. What shall I render to the Lord? Friends, listen very carefully. There is nothing that you can render to the Lord that makes him your debtor. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He is not saying just change your ways, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, and then God will owe you one because you did a great thing. We cannot merit that which is given to us as a free gift. Salvation in a relationship because of his mercy and grace. We already talked about that. Because he is merciful and gracious, he gives to us the gift of salvation, not by works, so that none of us can boast. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2. So what shall I render to the Lord? I shall render to him a life uh, as a saint and a life as a a servant. Isn't that what he says? Look at... uh, um, look at verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints, even in our disorientation. That which is a product of the fall, our physical death is precious in the sight of the Lord because we are his And He promises to move us then reorientation back into that relationship with Him. Because as a saint, literally translated, it means we are called out. He has called us by name out of darkness and into His wonderful, marvelous light. We were dead in our sins and transgressions, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ Jesus. Ephesians, again, the Apostle Paul so as a saint, we are called out of this disorientation. He will not allow us to live in it. He calls us out in our reorientation as he brings us back by his favor, his mercy and grace, into that relationship with himself. But verse, then the verse is following. Verse 16, O oh Lord, I am your servant. Not only am I your saint, but I am your servant. I am the servant of your maidservant. Like the old hymn, Charles Wesley. My chains fell off. My heart was freed. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And can it be? That's the hymn, my favorite hymn. My chains fell off in the dark dungeon when God called me out of darkness and into his marvelous marvelous light. And now I am not chained to my sin, but I am in union with my Savior. Now I'm chained to my Savior as his servant. And do as he has commanded that I do, knowing that he is faithful in every single stage because of his grace and mercy. Not only as a saint and servant then, but now what does he do? I will offer, verse 17, I will offer to you, O God, you've loosed my bonds, so I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And here it is again. I will call on the name of the Lord. What's he doing? He's worshiping. He's worshiping the Lord, paying a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now as New Testament believers, we know that as the author of Hebrews tells us, the final sacrifice has been paid in Christ, the ultimate and perfect sacrifice. So there is no altar here. We're not going to butcher a bull here in just a moment or a lamb and make a sacrifice to the Lord. But what does Paul say in Romans chapter 12, verse 1? Therefore... In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your spiritual act of worship. So now we offer ourselves as we have moved from that perfect relationship to our disorientation because of our sinfulness, reorientation now bringing us back even greater than we were before. To bring us to this place today, Spurgeon said, The psalmist receives mercy in private, but now he offers praise in public. He's gathering his voice with other voices. I will pay my vows to the Lord, verse 18, in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. That's what we're doing now. Corporate worship. Gathered together to unite our voices one with the other. Because we see this cyclical pattern over and over. And through that pattern, we cannot take our eyes off of the fact that God was faithful, is faithful, promises to be faithful over and over again. If you've seen the movie or perhaps the musical Les Miserables, you know this particular scene where there is an elderly gentleman who is behind a cart that's on a hill hill. And something gives way on the cart that's loaded down and the cart rolls down and rolls right over the individual and stops right on top of him. And he begins to shout out because of the pain of the heaviness of the cart. Jean Valjean is the the lead uh, person in, in the movie and Javert is the police officer that believes he knows who Jean Valjean is, but he can't prove it as of yet. And so Javert is standing off to the side, and he watches what Jean Valjean does. And he sees people run over trying to lift this cart off of this elderly gentleman, and they can't get it off. And so Jean Valjean climbs underneath, puts the weight of the cart on his back, and he stands up. He pulls the cart off the old man, and the people pull him out, and he's saved. It's a picture of his orientation, the old man just sitting there, the cart running over him, disorientation, but then a savior, Jean Valjean, who lifts the weight to a reorientation back to a better life. Isaiah gives us the same picture, does he not? In Isaiah 53, what does Isaiah say there? He tells us that he was afflicted, Surely he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows. We esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and by his wounds we are healed. A completely different turn of events, is it not? Christ got under the cart of sin, your sin, the bondage of your sin and what happened? He was crushed. He died for you. He died for me. Crushed. That we might experience His mercy, His grace, His peace. That we might be reoriented back into this perfect relationship of affection with our Savior. Now friends, let me close with this. If you're here today and you're trusting in that Savior, you know Him to be filled with grace and mercy and even if you're down here in this disorientation, the pains of individuals and the world, friends, he is faithful. Call on him. That's what the psalmist says. Call on him. If you're here today and that's not your faith, with all love and affection, as gentle as I can be, you are living in a life of disorientation even though you may have some good days that are better than your bad days. You are living in a world of disorientation with absolutely no hope except this. Psalm 116 says, if you will call on the name of the Lord, if you'll call out to him today, he will bring you into this orientation of a perfect relationship and then by his faithfulness, you will be his for all eternity as you continue to call on the name of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you are a loving, compassionate, merciful God who delights in doing good to your covenant people, those that you ordained from the foundation of the world to be yours. We have gathered here today, Father, to declare to you that we are corrupt, sinful people, But we believe in your faithfulness, we trust it and we call on you now as you renew your covenant with us, reorient us back to that perfect relationship that we might experience your grace and mercy, love you even more than we did yesterday, that today would be a greater relationship than it was yesterday and tomorrow even greater than today. You alone are the one who can do that. So do it for your glorious grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.